This is the Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast, episode 175. I'm Joel Hollingsworth, and as always, I'm here with Will Shelton. Will, it was uh, only two Mondays ago, January 18th, that everything came crashing down for the Tennessee football program. Two assistants, a bunch of support support staff fired, Pruitt fired for negligent oversight, Fulmer retired. And then it was only three days later that the school announced the hiring of Danny White as athletic director, which a lot of people, and I think rightly so, uh, considered a stellar hire. Um, and now, only six days later, White has hired Josh Heupel as Tennessee's next head football coach. So, um, Will, as you know, my uh, disdain for Twitter grows daily. <laughs> so all I ever see uh, on that thing is a few things from a very carefully curated list of trusted media sources uh, and then maybe some players. But uh, So I don't know uh, what the, uh, quote, Vols fans are saying, uh, but uh, I've gathered that it's it might be kind of ugly out there. I don't know. Um, so anyway, what, what I have read is what you've already written, uh, which which I Thanks. thought, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I thought it was extremely fair. It was extremely reasonable. And I think it will probably never be retweeted because of it. So um, I was <laughs> I was wondering if you could uh, kick us off with the uh, the gist of that post in uh, podcast form. So I think for most people, the, f- the first pass on Josh Heupel, if you are um, you don't even have to be like uh, illiterate college football fan or, or like if you just watch the SEC, you just watch Tennessee, maybe you just watch Tennessee. You don't have time. You know, maybe you're listening to this podcast while you're at work or whatever, but you don't have time to watch a bunch of this stuff. Folks that haven't seen Central Florida post Scott Frost, you hear about this guy, Josh Heupel, and the first thing you think is, all right, that guy, uh, didn't he win the national title at Oklahoma 21 years ago? He did. Um, And then you think, okay, what has Central Florida done since Scott Frost has been at Nebraska? And if you haven't seen it or paid attention to it, when you just look, it's Central Florida was, uh, UCF was undefeated in 17, Frost left for Nebraska. Heupel went 12 and one the next year. Uh, some folks may not even like, if you just read the one loss record, it's undefeated before he got there, then 12 and one, then 10 and three, then um, I believe six and four. Oh no, year. that's terrible. They're trending in the wrong direction. Right. That's Pitch the, um, that's, that's okay. the, that's the surface level first pass at it um, concern. Right. And some folks may not even realize that the 12 and one year they were 12 and 0 and uh, their quarterback McKenzie Milton his leg exploded um, <laughs> and they I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh but uh, that was a nice way of putting that it's really it's it's unfortunate that he um, like he transferred because he had he, the injury was so catastrophic he had to sit out the entire 19 season oh, and wow. still some of this year and and they're moved on in a different direction but he transferred to florida state uh it's i don't i don't know how like healthy he will ever be again so i don't know mm. what percentage florida state is getting him at wow but, man, dude, like dude we would have loved to have that guy now <laughs> uh so um anyway 
They went. They were thirteen and zero in seventeen, and then they were twelve and zero in um, in eighteen, and they lost by eight to LSU in the Fiesta Bowl. So like right there again in eighteen, lost some close games in nineteen. Anyway, that's that's the first pass. If you haven't paid attention to UCF, and it's no fault, it's no crime if you haven't that the program has regressed. Why would we hire someone when the program has obviously regressed and is trending in the wrong direction? So. Um, I think that uh, uh, some people, uh, as far as fan response, there's a group of folks that still just don't believe that Tennessee was never going to hire Hugh Freeze or never going to hire Lane Kiffin. And so that's, that's, that's one conversation. We'll get back to Lane Kiffin when we talk about the schedule. Yeah. Um, There's another group. I think that, um, believe that because Tennessee took a shot reportedly at James Franklin, that taking a shot at a coach like that automatically meant you were going to end up hiring a coach like that. Yeah. Or a coach a little less than that instead of Josh Heupel. Um, But uh, something we wrote, and we wrote this uh, when we did the Coaching Candidates SP Plus piece. Like, we wrote this, I didn't write this today to try to spin the Hypo hire. We wrote it at the start just as a way of saying, hey, Tennessee hired Central Florida's athletic director just in case it gets to the guy at Buffalo that he hired or uh, or, Scott Frost, maybe at Nebraska, who when we really would have had the conversation about diminishing returns, or Josh Hypo. Just in case it gets to that, it's worth pointing out that in SP+, Plus, which we love and measures play for play and all that stuff more than, than game for game, right. that they were actually better not only in 18, but they were best in 19. They just lost close games. In 18, they, they, uh, they lost to LSU in the bowl game. In 19, they went one and three in one possession games, but they also murdered lots of people, which that counts in SP+, Plus, same as it does in yeah. Ken Pomeroy's stuff. Winning by, you know, 30 is better than winning by 18. Uh, and they did a lot of, of that stuff. So uh, like inside the numbers, their program in SP Plus actually trended in the right direction and progressed under Hypel in 18 and 19 over Frost. But you don't get that just looking at the one-loss record. So that's that's why we tried to point that out. Uh, a shout out to to Michael Bratton, a former Rocky Top Talk uh, writer, now with uh, been with Saturday Down South and and has a, a podcast that did uh, retweet uh, when I said that I put that on Twitter last night. That hey, if if it goes in this direction, this, this is something we said we would point out that you have to look deeper. This is not like some secret hidden thing. It's just saying hey, look a little closer. Right. They lost close games. Uh, He's going to lose some close games at Tennessee too. Everybody does. That's why we like SP plus as a metric of saying this eight and five team and that eight and five team are not quite the same. And when we talk about regression, it's actually really helpful to point out the closest comparison of anyone Tennessee's hired in the modern era is Butch Jones and Butch Jones won some games, but also, uh, and, and did not appear to be in a regression in his three years at Cincinnati but in SP Plus, his program did not come close to approaching the heights of his predecessor, whereas at Central Florida, Hypel actually exceeded slightly what Frost did. Um, so I think, I think that's some of the initial response. Uh, the, the Take out the people that are never going to be happy unless it was the Freeze or Kiffin fantasy. 
Um, I, I think there's another small subset that knows that Jamie Chadwell is a huge Tennessee fan. Uh, very small sample size on Jamie Chadwell. Maybe great, maybe not. I would, again, also point out that we just fired Philip Fulmer. So it's it's hard, you you know. Fired. We didn't fire. We, we, he retired. Right. Okay. Air quotes on the podcast. He retired. So, um, you know, that it doesn't always work out being a super Tennessee fan. So I think uh, it's a situation of um, doing a little more reading. If you didn't see UCF, which again, no, I don't, I'm not hating on anybody that didn't see a lot of them um, and seeing kind of in between just the wins and losses uh, and seeing what looks like real progress in that situation. So uh, I get it. I, I get the frustration and the impatience. I also think, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, you go back through all of these things. I, I think in a level-headed kind of way, I think I feel best, I think I feel better today than I felt the day we hired Jeremy Pruitt uh, the day we hired Butch Jones, and certainly the day we hired Derek Dooley. Um, and Kiffin, I, I, so much of Kiffin to me was still about Fulmer, about what do you mean somebody else is going to be the coach at Tennessee? It's hard for me to yeah. kind of quantify that, the first, the day he was hired. Um, but I th- I think Heupel, Kiffin, again, 5-15 and 15 with the Raiders before he was here, Fulmer was the offensive coordinator. I think Heupel, maybe Butch Jones, if you want to argue it, I think Heupel is the most proven guy we've hired since Johnny Majors. Uh, Fulmer did all right, you know, like it doesn't have to be that. But I, I, do you have a sense of of that, of the way you feel about this hire today? And I felt that way before the press conference. I think we've learned, you know, don't, don't, I mean, shoot, he called us the wrong team name in the press conference. The guy, (laughs) you know, the guy like, found out he had the job a, a, a blink ago yeah and now he's here off a plane and and meeting a team and all that stuff so like I, I think we've learned a few things but I mean before the press conference not anything he said in the press conference just looking at who he is and looking at the resume and looking at where we are and where we've been I feel better today it's not a high bar to clear and ultimately just clearing it won't you know mean Josh Heupel is a great coach at Tennessee yeah but I think I feel better today. Is that how do you feel in comparison to the previous? You said this is episode one seventy five, so we've done one seventy four of Kiffin, Dooley, Butch, and Pruitt. So yeah. how do you how do you feel? Yeah, that's comparatively. That, that that's too many coaches to do in one hundred and seventy five podcasts. It um, is. So I, I think you know I I feel okay. Um, there, there's a lot of factors at work here. Um, when you, when you're talking Kiffin and uh duly and and even butch a little bit um the expectations were still that you know it, it's just we're right around the corner from turning this thing around um and we still felt like you know we could we could really do something good quickly and so the expectations are different today it's like oh my goodness um things are really bad um, and so, you know, the expectations play a part of it. Uh, the other thing though, is we've been starved for offense, just in a vacuum, Tennessee for two, three years, if not more, you know, we're, we're just, we're famished for, for points. And then 
take us out of the vacuum and look at what's happened with college college football where the best teams are lighting it up and that's the way you got to win then you look at Hypel and you see that last three you know all these things that they're touting on the on the website and the billboards and stuff last three years in the top five in points and total offense and you know excitement because you know defense might win but you know offense is fun right <laughs> so um that, that's the thing you know uh defense is only fun if you're winning um offense is fun all the time <laughs> even if you even if you're losing sometimes so uh anyway i like the fact that he's offensive minded um and i think that that helps me have a little more interest in the future so that's kind of where i'm at on that and let's talk about some of those things because like i said all these all this offense that they're touting um you know the numbers speak for themselves it's true right um but you know if you're a little if, if you have a little cynicism or skepticism i understand um number one i'm a lawyer you know in my bones um <laughs> But uh, two, you know, you got good reason over the past uh, 12 years to be a little skeptical. Um, so, you know, if you're thinking, um, well, you know, didn't they do that in, by the way, what is the name of that conference? I don't know, American Athletics, something like that. You don't even know. Uh, they're, they're not a Power Five uh, conference at all. So, you know, sure, anybody can put up points over there, right? So what what's the counter to that? Do you do you have any? Uh, uh, I, I guess your memory is better than mine, right? So, uh, you know, what did they do? I I don't imagine that a non-power five uh, team has many high-powered um, out-of-conference opponents, but they do play in bowls. Did they play any really good teams in in bowl games, and did they still put up points and and yards against those teams? Yes, still a small sample size. Uh, the 18, Heupel's first team, uh, you may recall, you know, the previous year they're undefeated. Uh, Bama won the college football playoff despite not winning the SEC West. So there was some, you know, Danny White said it in his press conference, right? There was more than one national champion that year, that sort of thing. So yeah. those guys are all up in their in their feelings in a good way about their program. And then they were supposed to play North Carolina in week three of Heupel's season. And I believe it was a hurricane. They, they, weather, the game didn't happen. Mm. So they lost a power five opportunity. Um, that year, they put 56 on Lane Kiffin's Florida Atlantic team. They put 45 on Pitt. Uh, and the uh, Mike Norville's Memphis teams, they put 31 on them and another 56 in the American Athletic Conference championship game. They played Luke Fickle's number 19 Cincinnati team and put 38 on them. And then they made the New Year's Six for a second year in a row and put 32 on number 11 LSU, even without Mackenzie Milton. So 18, I mean, those guys were bad dudes. Those, those guys were, um, you know, they, they were doing all that. Their opportunities are fewer in 19 and 20 when you're talking about playing quality competition uh, and that sort of thing. In 19, they put 45 on Stanford. Still pretty daggum good. Um, 
Pitt beat them 35-34. Cincinnati beat them 27-24. Pitt was a good team, though, too, right? I mean, Pitt's been good the last couple of years, haven't they? Yeah, Pitt in uh, Pitt in nineteen was eight and five, okay. so um, you know above average ACC team five four and four in the ACC. Um, uh, Tulsa up and comer in that conference beat them thirty four thirty one. That year they played Marshall in the bowl game, put forty eight on Marshall. I, you know I don't I I can look it up, but I can't tell you a lot of a ton of things about Marshall in uh, in nineteen. And then this year, all the caveats, COVID year, weird year. They had a lot of opt-outs um, or at the start of the year. Um, but they uh, they put 49 on Georgia Tech in the opener. Um, Memphis beat them 50 to 49. Oof. Uh, Cincinnati, who, you know, if you saw Cincinnati play Georgia, if you saw Cincinnati oh, yeah. at all this year, Cincinnati, very good. Cincinnati beat them 36-33. Uh, BYU also really good. BYU handled them a little bit in the bowl game, forty-nine to twenty-two. That's the only uh, multi-possession loss that Hypel ever had at Central Florida. Wow. Um, BYU good. Like that, there was a there were a legit operation. And in researching various uh, things, uh, BYU is probably the only team that they played in Hypel's tenure that. Uh, had a had a better quarterback situation with them than them going into the game other than LSU after McKenzie Milton got hurt. So, um, you know, good quarterback play for them goes a long way. After Milton got hurt, they played Dylan Gabriel as a freshman. He was outstanding. He's the reason McKenzie Milton's not there anymore. So, um, you know, great quarterback play. And some of this conversation will go back to his time at Missouri where he turned Drew Locke into – the uh, I think still the starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Um, they, they his first year at Missouri, uh, you may recall, they put 700 yards of offense on Tennessee, uh, <laughs> but Tennessee put 600 yards of offense on them and was plus four in turnovers. Right. Yeah. And we beat them 60. I think it's 63 to 37. Uh, and I know Bob Shoup's unit, not everyone's favorite. They ran 110 plays in that game. They ran 110 play like that's a, that's a, a banana. I was at that game and that's a bananas number. So, it was that was a if you go to the restroom you're gonna miss three scores, kind of game. Yeah, we're gonna so, get our money's worth then. We're getting more football. Yeah. For yes. Our money. Yes. Prepare yeah. yourself for long afternoons and evenings, but like the fun long, yeah. not like oh we're bad, but you know it's 20 to 20 with 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. That kind of long. <laughs> I'm assuming too that uh, they're doing this with you know quote inferior talent. They're they're not you know they're not they don't have this blue chip thing going for them. Um, I, I'm looking at it right now. The 2020 class was 75. Um, let's see. I don't want to make everybody wait on this all the way, but uh, we will just do two of them. Yes, I, I think the, not even the, the top 50. Them, I think the assumption about them is going to be like if you look at it, um, just their conference. You know, how did they recruit for just their, just their conference? Um, yeah. And they, you know, uh, a, a friend of mine uh, pointed this out in the comments on on one of the things we wrote last week. Uh, instead of comparing SP Plus, wouldn't it be better to compare? 
blue chip ratio. The problem is it's not just UCF. Even you know Cincinnati and Iowa State, these coaches we really wanted, they don't sign any four star players. Like, yeah. you know, you're 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 playing with a, a smaller, uh, you know, the deck is kind of stacked against you. Right. In that situation, but so, among so among if American all of our team, so if all of our players transfer to Oklahoma, and, and all <laughs> we're left is with two and three star players, you know, he's still okay. Is, yeah, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and they they were the best. They were the the most talented team in their conference. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, so they can play well and put up a lot of offense, uh, even against good teams, but maybe only if they play them, you know, one time per season in the postseason. What What are they going to do? Here's Here's the next uh, next question that everybody's going to be asking, right? What are they going to do in the SEC when every week you're playing a team like that? Is that going to work here? And, of course, you're going to go back to his stint as OC at Missouri, right? So how did, how did he do over there? Um, the stuff that I've seen is that Missouri's offense was uh, last in the SEC the year before he got there and first the year after he got there. Is that true? Yeah, I, and it depends on your metric. Um, you know, we play Missouri every year, so you'll recall the the last Gary Pinkle team. That's I think we won that game like nineteen to eight. Uh, that's Fun. the. Are they going to let Josh Dobbs throw the ball downfield? Oh wait, we don't have to, so we won't. Um, and we won, and we won a lot of games, uh, in, relatively speaking, in, in 2015. So, um, you know, that's that was kind of what Pinkle and those guys did. Uh, even their really good Missouri teams were more about defense, pass rush, uh, you know, Michael Sam, those guys uh, that really got after the quarterback. So that first year in 16, they went four and eight. Um, and and like anybody else, I mean, they, they kind of got off to a slow start. So it depends, especially if you look at his first team, it depends on how you want to look at it. Like, they scored a lot of points, but they put 61 on Eastern Michigan and 79 on Delaware State. So if you're, you know, if you're throwing all that in the in the machine, you got 79 to nothing against Delaware State. That kind of throws the average off a little bit. When they play, especially early in the year, they scored 11 uh, on West Virginia. Uh, they scored. Uh, seven on LSU. They scored 14 on Florida. They got better as the year went along. They scored 37 and a ton of yards on us, 28 on Arkansas in the finale. Uh, the big jump was the next year in 17, where they did still struggle, especially early, and they struggled against against good teams. Um, Brom and Purdue beat them 35-3 to in week three, and number 15 Auburn held them to 14 the following week. But then they really got it going. I mean, again, I'm just gonna gonna rattle off these numbers. They lost. This is this is 2017. So Butch Jones last year for us. Uh, 34 at Kentucky, 28 at number four Georgia. That that was a breath away from a national championship. 68 on Idaho, 52 on UConn, 45 on the Gators in Jim McElwain's last year. 50 on us uh, in, uh, I don't remember if Butch or Brady Hoke, uh, all caps text, post uh, coach that game. <laughs> um, 45 on Vanderbilt, 48 on Arkansas. 
Texas beat him in the bowl game 33 to 16. So uh, there's a thing about his time in Missouri where, like, if you were bad, they were going to score a ton. Tennessee, we'll talk about the schedule in a minute. Uh, Bowling Green was really bad this year, and that's who Tennessee opens with. So just, just like, prepare yeah. yourself now. <laughs> we might score 70 on Bowling Green. Yeah. But that doesn't, that, like, that ain't going to, that would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But uh, don't, don't wait for the pit game. Unless we lose, and then, you know, patience is, <laughs> yeah. is where we're at. Yeah, well, well that's I'm what so ha- scarred by, like the one year with Georgia State when we were like, well, finally a team we don't have to worry about in Week One. They were two and ten in the Sun Belt last year, yeah. and then they, like it's it's okay to talk about this this way now because Pruitt's not our head coach. They that was a legitimate beating, yeah. you know. Like we didn't lose to Georgia State because we were unlucky. Like that yeah. they beat us, beat us. Yep. So uh, they turned out I, to be a little better than we thought. But yeah. you know they still they still stomped us. Um, the thing about uh, this up tempo, you know, if they're running 110 plays a game, you only get 110 plays if it's working. And, and, and <laughs> there's not a lot of three and outs in that. Yeah, right. So you know, if you're playing with tempo, all you're doing is giving the other team a lot of points. Because uh, yeah, and, and especially if you don't have defense, which is actually my next question. Do you kind of get the feeling? that uh, they maybe need to put a little emphasis on defense because, man, they did not. It's like they forgot. You know, you always hear coaches forgetting about the third phase of the game. Don't forget about special teams. There's a lot of hidden yards there. But, man, it's almost like they've forgotten about defense. You can't forget about defense. Yeah, so this um, – I mean, obviously, this this is his most important hire. Uh, yeah. He said today on the Sports Animal that he was going to hire an offensive coordinator, but that he would call plays. So even more so, defense, defensive coordinator, most important hire. At UCF, uh, he, was, uh, he was matched with or inherited Randy Shannon, former Miami head coach. Um, and I think that was you know, part of the problem. And all these losses, they're scoring, and, except for the BYU game. And all these losses, they're scoring 30-plus points and and just losing anyway. Um, so he gets to pick this time. I don't think he's going to pick – the tea leaves don't suggest he's going to pick Kevin Steele. Um, it doesn't seem like anybody's asking him to, to do that, which I think is great. I mean, you got to let this guy be the guy. Yeah. You know? Um, so having said that, who do you want? And he's well-equipped, I think, to understand – kind of the reverse of what we just went through with Jim Chaney, which is like, hey, football has changed, and you can – you have to adapt. And he gets to adapt by hiring someone. So, you know, if you want to hire a defensive coordinator that – what's your philosophy nowadays in this world of college football? Do you want to hire the guy that is kind of, you know, going to try to do it the same way, be great at stopping the run? We saw that this year. Tennessee was like against Florida. Tennessee made them literally quit running, <laughs> and, and it mattered zero. You yeah. know, so yep. you don't have you, you get a chance to start fresh here and not have to try to build it that way, the way it's been built a lot of times in the SEC. Do you instead look at you know more of a Big Twelve model, which he's familiar with? Of all right, uh, we're gonna take away, we're gonna try to take away huge plays, 
and we're going to try to hold you in the red zone to, to you know, when the field is short and we're going to hold you to three or force a turnover. And that's just, you know, we're going to, we're going to um, try to stop the bleeding that sort of sense. So I'm, I'm super curious to see he's, you know, right away, similar to Danny White, he gets this big job that he's never had before. And then right away, he ain't going to bring Randy Shannon with him. So right away, he's got to make this higher. Um, so that will be, that will be really interesting. That'll be telling to see um, what happens. You know, I, I don't know. There's some universe out there where he could call Barry Odom and they could, you know, do the, the, the freaky Friday role reversal where now this time he's the head coach and Odom is the coordinator like they did at Missouri. He's at Arkansas. Um, so, uh, Tennessee's got money. We've, we learned that this week. We've still got money. So I'll be, I'm super curious. I don't have any feel for it or any, any leads. Um, and you got to let the guy pick. You, you got to let the guy pick. And we've learned with Pruitt, you got to let who you pick do their thing. So you can't um, you can't force John Chavis on him because he's right there in Knoxville already. That's right. Maybe Chavis could be like assistant linebackers coach or you know assistant to the regional manager. But um, <laughs> yeah, super important. Got got to yeah. got to figure that one out because you're gonna have you know especially Tennessee doesn't have a, a proven quarterback on their roster. This guy's not afraid to play freshman, or at least he wasn't afraid of it in the American Conference. So. You could play a freshman that's going to have a freshman game that throws four interceptions. How are you going to win that game? You know, he's going to have to – there are going to be games out there to be won at less than 50 to 49. So, um, be curious to see. Tennessee, you know, is Tennessee – I don't worry about recruiting offense with this guy. Yeah. But part of who you hire defensively, is Tennessee going to continue to attract – elite talent like Henry Toho Toho and and um you know, all these these are all guys that are in the portal Henry Toho Toho and Keyshawn Lawrence and all these guys yeah um to to play defense when you know that the offense is gonna put a lot of stress on you so I'm super curious to to see and find out so there's been some uh, criticism that uh this may have been like almost too quick um I don't think it was too quick. I, I, you know, I think that they put the feelers out. You know, I know they said that uh, this guy's our number, the only guy we made the offer to, but that's semantics. Everybody knows it's semantics. You know, you don't offer somebody who's who's leaning towards telling you no, and you can usually tell, right? So, um, I don't know. I, I think they, I, I think they worked fast. Uh, fast is good. I don't think it was hasty though. Um, I think this is probably what you were likely to get. So I, what are your thoughts on that? you think it was too quick? No, I think it doesn't. Um, again, if we go back to previous searches, what happened with Butch Jones was Tennessee, by accounts, Tennessee had Charlie Strong at the finish line. Every a hire that I think would have been really well-received and Dave Hart couldn't get him on an airplane. Um, and so when they lost the guy that they wanted, 24 hours later, they were at Butch Jones. And the gap between, the, the way it felt at the time, 
And you, we linked it in the site today. You can go back and look at what we wrote when Butch Jones was hired. And in what we wrote is a link to a poll uh, on Rocky Top Talk from uh, 2012, where uh, after Charlie Strong said no and we reset the board, uh, I believe we put Philip Fulmer on it when we reset the board at that point in time. Um, but Butch Jones was the lowest vote getter on that, that board. He yeah. was not someone that fans were excited about. So that felt... In that moment, I remember very much that feeling like, oh, we settled, we panicked, we moved too fast. Derek, to go from a guy that you really felt like was going to say yes to this job and was attainable to Butch Jones. Um, Derek Dooley, you know, Lane Kiffin left on Tuesday night, and we hired Derek Dooley on Friday morning or afternoon. That's really fast. Now, again, you had kids needed to get to class, you know, some of those deadlines you're running into. But there, Tennessee moved too quickly. Here, I don't get the sense, if, if what's being said out there is accurate, that they threw the briefcase at James Franklin and said, you know, you want to be our head coach for $8 million a year. I don't know that James Franklin was ever as attainable as Charlie Strong was X number of years ago. Um, I, I think – you know, uh, it, it would take a lot. And $8 million is a lot, but it would take a lot for James Franklin to leave Penn State for Tennessee right now. So, to me, the drop is not nearly as steep as saying, hey, we try to get James Franklin on Monday, Sunday, and we didn't get him, and now we have Josh Heupel on Tuesday. Uh, the other names that were even remotely, like like Tony Elliott at Clemson, um, I'm okay. Like, if you want Tony Elliott more than Josh Heupel, I'm not going to super argue with you about that. But you just don't know. He's never been a head coach before. You don't know anything about that. So you can you can speculate, and I'm fine with that. I think he probably will end up being a good coach somewhere. Maybe even at UCF. <laughs> who, who knows? <laughs> um, but uh, it, to me, it did not feel like they moved too fast. If they had come back this morning and said – uh, we're going to go with Kevin Steele. Then I would have said, that's too fast. Um, and if they had come back with, you know, it, it's always going to feel like settling when your new athletic director ends up hiring the guy that was the coach at his school. Like, I get that. Yeah. But in terms of resume and reality of our situation, Josh Heupel does not feel like settling. So, no, I don't think they, I don't think they went too fast. Yeah, thinking back to that that day of uh, Butch Jones, I I think I remember now what what I what I wrote. Uh, I had the store at that time, and so every decision those guys made, like <laughs> uh, I felt right, yeah. and uh, so I remember posting. I think um, you're just asking too much of Vols fans. Uh, you're asking them to be patient because uh, it wasn't a splash hire. It wasn't somebody who uh, the fans were going to be excited about right out of the gate. You were asking them to wait and see. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I just thought that was too much to ask because they'd already been patient. And it seemed like the first opportunity to really get it right because, okay, if you're going to fire Fulmer, uh, okay, you know, you hire somebody you think is going to work, and it was Kiffin. But then Kiffin left you in a bind, and that's why we ended up with Derek Dooley, because it was just really bad timing. 
But after three years of Dooley, now you had a chance to actually gather your thoughts and try to get it right. And that's what they did. So, yeah, that's what I, that's what I remember about that day now. I think I immediately recanted. Like, yeah, I must have felt guilty about it or something. But I, uh, <laughs> I, w- I went back here. Or maybe he said something that uh, made me excited. I don't know. Anyway, um, let's, uh, let's talk about the schedule. It just came out uh, today. And, uh, shoot, I have already uh, overwritten it because... I was looking up UCF <laughs> recruiting rankings, which I don't know why. But all right, you get the schedule there in front of you. If, if I remember right, the the things that are uh, different uh, are that you know Georgia's at the end of the schedule again, which is nice. I like it that way. Um, and then the um, SEC West opponent is Ole Miss, um, in addition to Alabama. And the non-conference, I'm going to get this wrong, but let me try. Uh, it's Bowling Green first, and yep. we got South Alabama last at homecoming, and I totally forgot the other two. So it's Pitt in Pitt. week okay, two, yeah. the Johnny Majors Bowl, um, and then I believe it's Tennessee Tech. It's the FCS team is week three, which I think is okay. Tennessee Tech this year. Bowling Green, by the way, uh, was – uh, 0-5 in this COVID-shortened year and is 126th out of 127 in SP+. Woo-hoo. So so opportunity is now here, as Derek Dooley would say, <laughs> uh, to feel good about oneself in the uh, season opener. If Central Florida played Bowling Green this year, Central Florida would have been favored by 34. So, can, I, can I just uh, inter- interject there for a minute? One of the mo- one of the biggest tragedies of the last twelve years is it's deprived me of all of these awesome motivational slogans and things, because those things are pretty good, except that they're now forever associated and tarnished by failure. So, so anyway, I just wanted yeah. to throw that in. I know I I was given a copy of that Energy Bus book uh, <laughs> yeah. when. Uh, Butch Jones, and then we're going through it, and I read some of it. But now, whenever I hear someone talk about that book, I'm like, well, that book clearly doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And there's a bunch. I mean, how many of those things? Opportunity is now here, nowhere. That's really cool. Um, I still love that. I I thought it's it's only now here when you walk through the doors. It's nowhere (laughs) until you walk through the door. I loved that. Yeah. I'm on. You can go read. No one will, but. In the archives at Rocky Top Talk, you can read it. I loved it. Uh, yeah, but um, it was cool. Yeah, but it's forever tarnished. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But I had to get that off my chest. No, that's fine. Uh, the first, the immediate takeaway about the schedule is we, could, we uh, still being attached to the old ways of being a Tennessee fan. We play eight games in a row, ending with Alabama. Oh, nice. Uh, so, like, it's gonna matter. Yeah, that's the new way of being a Tennessee yeah. fan. <laughs> that's, like Alabama. Again, I wrote this. Like that's that we need to talk about what is possible. Yeah, we we used to look at the schedule and say, are we playing at Alabama or at home? It's like, yeah. does it matter? <laughs> yeah. it but matter. I will say again, if you go back to those guys, um, the, the, in terms of first impressions, uh, Lane Kiffin had a favorable schedule, and those guys fell all over themselves against UCLA and Knoxville. Uh, let's get back to Kiffin in a, in a moment. Derek Dooley uh, got Oregon in week two 
that Oregon team went on to play for the national championship against Cam Newton and Auburn. Um, we were feisty in that game for about two and a half quarters, too. Yeah. Um, Butch Jones got Marcus Mariota, Oregon, and we gave up. It was it was a bad day. Jeremy Pruitt got Will Greer and West Virginia in week one. So with, not with a, a whole bad bunch of new freshman cornerbacks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That, I went to that game and sat in the end zone, and you'd see Greer throw it, and yeah, I'd look and I'd be like. Well, there's nothing we can do about this. Like while the ball's in the air, you'd be like, "Yep, nothing we can do about this." <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, you get you get Bowling Green in the opener, who was the next to worst FBS team that actually played a game this past year, and then you get we said this for Lane Kiffin, Week Two, Pittsburgh feels like UCLA back in Kiffin's first year of like from a long way away. It'd be really nice to win that game, you know. That's that's Pittsburgh is, uh, and I, I appreciate that they're playing it. If you know, especially after Johnny Major just passed away, I'm not mad that Pittsburgh is the sort of program that Tennessee probably needs to be scheduling in the non-conference right now. Um, but you know, that's that is a winnable. Uh, Let's see. I mean, we, you know, maybe we have a thousand people are declared ineligible through this this thing or whatever. But from here, if you were if we were putting the you know expected win totals up there today, you would think about making that fifty percent or higher. Uh, not you, Joel, but like just in general. Yeah, uh, I, I think folks would think about doing that. So um, that's probably where I'd put it. Yeah. So like. So it's a nice little nice little opportunity. Uh, those guys, Pitt this year was six and five, five and five in the ACC. Um, beat Louisville, only ranked win. Um, not particularly feisty against any other good team. So uh, did blow out Virginia Tech in uh, in November. But anyway, so like that's that's a nice that would be really nice uh, to to get that win. Uh, and start two and zero. All right. So you want to talk about uh, Giffen? I, I, I'm guessing you're betting on the over in that in that game. Well, I just I just want to say like everybody's entitled to their own opinion and all that stuff. And I get that some like if you're a student at UT right now, uh, you know you were a you were an elementary schooler when all that went down. Wow. Uh, so like. I get it. That's 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 fine. I get it. I get that he's fun. If you're a college student now, believe me, I know he was fun more than you do. Like, <laughs> I get that, and I I get that. Um, I get what it meant. We know this. Like, what it meant to be uh, someone who writes about his team. That you're you were constantly defending him. You you know there were there were lots of fights that were picked and Tennessee fans rose to those occasions as as you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I understand all that. I I personally have never been someone to advocate for his return. I just I, I, one I never felt like it would happen, and two I just never felt like he's not so much better than he's not any better than Matt Campbell or. Luke Fickle and and some of these Billy Napier, some of these other guys, I, I just didn't see 
uh, all that, and I'm not super sure. What Kiffin did at Florida Atlantic was tremendous. Uh, we need a little more data at Ole Miss, and we're going to get it. So, so we'll see. We needed a little more data at Tennessee. Um, but uh, let me just say this. Regardless of how these first one, two, three, four, five, six games go leading into Saturday, October 16th, if you're a Tennessee fan, you need to want to beat this guy by a million. <laughs> like, this is not it, – it's only Stockholm if you want it to be. Otherwise, it's Knoxville. And, like, in general, I, I said this, you know, before, like when he was – when we were struggling with Dooley and he started to struggle at USC – there was a there were some Saturdays where the best thing that happened to Tennessee football was USC lost. <laughs> yeah, and I remember saying at the time, like, "Hey, I get it, but like, won't it be great when we can not worry about this guy and think about our own stuff?" And then he came back to the SEC, and we had to worry about him, and he's on the schedule. So, like, yes, overall, it's healthier. You know, the the best revenge is living well, right? And it's healthier to just <clears throat> not think about that. But that's not an option because he's on the schedule. So now the next best option, truly to me, I think the next best option as a Tennessee fan is to think of this as screw Lane Kiffin. Let's win that game by 100. Like, I'm totally serious. Like, this business of, oh, we're two and four, and here comes Kiffin, and oh, I wish he was my coach. Like, I don't want to hear any of that. That's so incredibly unhealthy and detrimental to Tennessee's progress, like, there, to me, there is a subset of the fan base that likes the idea of Kiffin because they like him on Twitter and those kinds of things and would rather have that kind of fun than win games. Not that Kiffin doesn't wow. win games, but, like, I'm trying to win games at Tennessee, and he's on the other sideline, and he did what he did. Screw that guy. Let's beat him by a 1,000. So uh, that, to me, I, I'm going to have a hard time – I'm not going to have a hard time. You do what you want. You're listening to this podcast. But, like, that's that's uh, pining for that dude when he's on the other sideline and we're in year one with a coach. Don't be that guy. Right. Nothing good down that path. And I think there's going to be plenty of good down our own path. But, like, if you're ranking them right now, what's what's big most important wins to get uh, for Josh Heupel? Pittsburgh, high on the list. If we're not going to entertain any notion of at Florida or at Alabama or Georgia, next most important win to get uh, Ole Miss, October 16th, Knoxville. Um, All right. Lots of narratives in that one. And the, the, the healthiest one to me, truly the healthiest one to me is screw that guy and let's beat his brains out. <laughs> that, Catch that's... me on Sundays at First United Methodist Church in Pulaski. <laughs> Live from this very seat in my living room. All right. Well, it's funny, you know, I mean, you said uh, you're entitled to your own opinion, right? Uh, everybody is, right? Um, but so are we. And, uh, you know, we think your opinion is wrong with, with all due respect, right? So I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit because, you know, in, in Danny White's uh, presser, he came right out and said it. And he said, look, um, we need your help, you know, Um if, if you have something negative to say, go ahead, but text it to you privately to your friend. Um, don't get on social media and, and do it because, and he had, he had a perfect illustration of it. You know, you got some young kid who is, um, you know, making all sorts of sacrifices and, 
don't make it harder for him by, you know, not supporting him. Um, and, of course, Tennessee fans took that and uh, said, nah, <laughs> no thanks, you know. So uh, um, I don't know. I guess we're going to find out uh, how, how all that plays out. But, you know, again, I, I am, you know, I, I've, I've tried not to talk too much about it, I, but I know I let it out uh, quite a bit over the past several episodes. But I'm just saying, if you're still, um, you know, getting on Twitter to, to make jokes and throw stones and stuff, save yourself, you know, run, run away. It's, it's, it's safer and better. Um, but I don't say it nearly as well as, uh, as Will did here at the end of this uh, post that is actually on the front page right now. It's basically, you know, what we're trying to do here is, is have, uh, fun and healthy conversations. So even when it means, uh, when it boils down to the phrase screw Lane Kiffin, um, so we, we think that's healthy. (laughs) It's, I mean, it is, it's the healthiest. I've thought about that a a while because I just, I never thought we were really going to hire him. Yeah. Uh, And I, again, I think he's, I think he's a good coach. Uh, I'm I'm not here to debate the merits of this or that, nor do I think you need to hold undue animosity over what happened uh, 11 years ago. But I just, um, if the alternative for some is going to be to pine for this guy while he's on the other sideline, no, you got to get out of that. Like that again, you don't have to do anything, but no. uh, that to me is so detrimental to who Tennessee is. And it, it's, I don't, again, I don't know if it's Stockholm syndrome or, or maybe there's a lot of abuse as a fan base that we've endured for however many years yeah. we've been enduring this, but like, I don't understand why you don't want to beat that guy. And in particular, I don't understand why you don't want to beat that guy badly. Yeah. And it, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, uh, why some of that has changed or shifted for some folks. And I, and more than anything, it just fatigues me to even thinking about having to have the conversation. Um, you know, uh, what has been hardest to deal with, I think, over over however many years we've been doing this, are are things that were not based in reality. The, Bruce Pearl was not coming back to Tennessee. Um, Hugh Freeze was not coming this time, and Lane Kiffin uh, was was not coming this time. And if you want to make the argument, well, okay, but they should. That's fine. But that argument was never based in reality when it comes to the decision makers uh, and and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Or at least that's certainly what we've been led to believe. So. That being the case, I just um, uh, the best revenge is living well, and and there's no better living than beating that guy. Um, so yeah, that's it, my that's big that, big game October sixteenth. Um, yeah. Well, as you said, uh, that you know, assuming that that will happen, probably will. Um, you know, it's not the it's not the only thing that quote we have done as a fan base. The uh, you know, the, the no petitions or the petitions thing that we did that you just talked about. There's, there's a whole bunch of other things. You know, I I wouldn't throw uh, Shiano Sunday in on that. I think that was, you know, there was that that voice needed to be heard, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, man, it's, it's such a mess. And uh, the thing that kills me is that it seems like the, and I'm going to say, quote, the media, 
um, lump them all in together uh, to make the point that uh, a lot of them, they'll determine what, quote, the fan base is saying by looking at Twitter. And that's not necessarily representative of all the fan base. I have opinions, and I'm not on Twitter, and nobody's asking me. Um, and there, I think there's a whole bunch of people that just have different opinions. The people that don't like Twitter aren't on Twitter, and they have probably different opinions that are probably not contaminated by the echo chamber. So that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, it's, uh, Twitter is not real life, um, but I, I think it's <clears throat> Twitter is a place where you 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 know you can get rewarded i'm on there certainly but i'm i don't i don't tweet very often but um you you know you can get likes you can get rewarded uh you can get social credibility for brief opinions and i, I just have never found that to be the, the best way to yeah. communicate things I, you, I mean you know we write thousands of words like that's yeah. that's what we choose to do but i think that that's um there are a number of Tennessee fans I know that are not on Twitter that also, so to me, that's one subset. Like if you'd rather get likes on Twitter than win games, that's problematic. Yeah. That's not, that's not seeking the welfare of the city. That's not, that's not doing, um, you know, that that's the sort of thing I think Danny White would be speaking against. But I also know Tennessee fans that are not on Twitter that were like, Hey Kiffin, you know, that was fun. And it's like, yeah. I, man, I get it we write about this stuff every week. I, I, I get that it has not been very much fun for a long time, but look at Hypel's resume. Like this dude has a chance to be a lot of fun. I don't know how many games we're going to win, but it has a chance to be fun. Um, and, uh, I, I just, um, I, 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 I don't understand that. So what I'm hopeful for is Tennessee comes out and beats Pittsburgh and is competitive with Florida and Tennessee can build enough of its own momentum in the first, however many weeks, that we don't have voices, Twitter and otherwise, playing the we should have hired Lane Kiffin game um, in week, you know, seven of year one. So, um, but uh, that's uh, that's part of Heibel's job is to is to win games like that. So, yep, we'll see. By the way, I don't mean to shame anybody for being on Twitter. Um, I just uh, give it a try without it for a little bit and see if you're, you know, not happier. Might be. Um, anyway, um, we will probably be back once we uh, hear on a defensive coordinator. He'll, how long do you think it's going to take him to fill out his staff? I, it sounds kind of like he's probably going to do it pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's – Pruitt and the old guys left room on the roster for some transfers and that sort of stuff. But so they've got some space that they can fill and guys uh, want to know, you know, who's my position coach going to be that sort of stuff. I think that's uh, probably been an issue with, with, uh, and I don't blame them, but if folks want to jump in the transfer portal and that sort of stuff again, when they just don't know. So you don't have I to think, jump in the transfer portal. You just jump right to Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. So I, I think figuring out who he's bringing with him from UCF is step one. And then from there, um, who's going to run your defense? Uh, who's going to run your strength and conditioning? You know, those are, those are big questions that he needs to answer very quickly. Because, again, we're used to doing this. I mean, this is January 27th. Uh, I believe both Pruitt and Butch Jones were hired on December 7th. 
so um, you know we're we're a month and a half behind the the regular scale of this thing. So at some point there will be spring practice not too terribly long from now. I hope. Uh, yeah. We so hope. we'll we'll see. I did appreciate as a season ticket holder, I got a recorded message from him today. I appreciate that. Yeah, really? uh, that made me made me feel good. I'm not going to give him my tickets. Uh, so. Let me guess. Hey, Knowles fans. Yeah. Is that, is that how it started? Yeah. No, it was, I don't know how many takes uh, it took him to do it in, but uh, it was good. It was, it was, I don't know if it's him or Danny White or uh, whatever. I, I saw, uh, I got an email as a season ticket holder about this Top Golf live thing they're doing at Neyland Stadium in May. Come hit golf balls into Neyland Stadium for 80 bucks a person for an hour. Oh, wow. Um, that's cool. That's fun. That's that's a unique sort of thing. And it made me wonder, you know, is I think Danny White's been busy. So I think maybe they've been working on that before he got here. But I appreciated, um, not to sound like the sort of fan that's like, Jeremy Pruitt never called me. But uh, you know, I don't know if it's Hypel's ease or, or what his level of ease is with doing things like that and the, the post game with Bob Kessling and that sort of stuff, or if it's Danny white and certainly some other smart people over there, at the athletic department that are saying, Hey, here's what we should do. Because Danny white's MO is central Florida was Owen 12 and plays in the entertainment capital of the free world. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, to build Mojo in Orlando, Florida is truly impressive. Yeah. Uh, and I think some of that, I, I think, you know, so everybody's favorite conversations about alternate uniforms and all that stuff. I think all that's back on the table now. Um, cause, cause we're, you know, we need some juice. I need some uh, juice. So juice is on the way. I think I do need some juice. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the game day Rocky top podcast. As always, we thank you for tuning in. Um, leave us a rating or a review. Bonus points for the phrase. Uh, <laughs> you have one in mind. I, I was going to say welfare. Kiffin? Yeah, that was my. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with welfare for the city. Yeah, that's healthier but, than yeah. that. Uh, and and too, like I guess it, it's kind of making my own point against me of like this is a good hire for where Tennessee is. This is a good hire today, and I feel better about it today than I have either any of the last three guys. So um, Josh Heupel needs to be the story. Um, and I, I think he's going to have a chance to be. So we, sh- we shall see. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so for uh, Will Shelton, I'm Joel Hollingsworth. This has been the Game Day at Rocky Top podcast. While I'm complaining about stuff, Either one of those. I think I heard Dick Vitale say that on a broadcast. Yeah, uh, you did. Yeah. Owls. Oh. Like I didn't already have enough reasons to turn him off. Um, I don't know what he does this year. All his teams are bad. Kentucky's bad. Duke's bad. Carolina's <laughs> bad. It doesn't stop him from talking about him for most of the time. <laughs> yeah.